I just walked in the door and did uh Kernels of Truth brought to you by Progress Kentucky. This week, uh, myself and Kimberly discussed the recent outrages from Kentucky's congressional Republicans, specifically over Biden's college loan repayment program and just other things they're uh, upset by. Kimberly's got an idea about how Andy can show he's a true man of the people. Uh, And we're going to welcome Jimmy Osbrooks, who is running against Jamie Comer for the expansive highly gerrymandered first congressional district uh, before we close out with our call to action. But first, are you ready to help turn Kentucky purple? Team, uh, we are a red state right now uh, where the kernels of truth can't lie to you. But in 69 days, we're going to pick between Rand Paul and Charles Booker. We're going to pick whether or not we're going to give women any reproductive freedom in our commonwealth. Uh, We're going to decide what type of state house will be in Frankfurt to work with or as it has been, against Governor Andy Bashir. These are big decisions, and we need your voice and your vote. If you want a Commonwealth that, work, work, a commonwealth that works for all of us, please join Progress Kentucky. It's easy. Just follow us on Facebook, on Twitter, on Instagram, wherever you spend time on social media. Just make sure to like and share and comment on our content. Uh, if you like what you're hearing here on Kernels of Truth, give us a thumbs up. Leave us a review if it's a pod, or just share out the show. Uh, but now let's check in uh, with uh, our amazing co-host. Uh, we're going to find out who you are, where you are, and what does your protest sign say today. And you there on the internet, please do take part. I want to know what your protest sign says. Put it in the chat while we're sharing ours, uh, and we can put it on the screen uh, if it doesn't have too many curse words. Um, so my, I'm Aaron. I'm coming to you from Childsburg, which is just it's it's a subdivision in Lexington. Uh, with a lot of rules uh, and a lot of vinyl siding. Uh, and my my protest sign says, if you didn't protest corporate tax cuts, but you're dead set against student loan forgiveness, you might be an LLC. Uh, that's me. All right. So back from a two-week hiatus, I think the longest we've ever been apart uh, on this live stream, uh, Kimberly Cecil Jones, how are you this evening? I am doing great, Aaron. Now that I see your smiling face, um, I have really, really missed you guys. So uh, I'm coming to you live from Louisville, Kentucky, here in my kitchen. And uh, let me just say this. My protest sign says today, Andy, choose me to be on the council when it comes to marijuana i think i've got a lot to say 
Uh, I bet you do. I bet, you know, I bet you wouldn't be constrained by this whole medical marijuana thing. I bet you would look into some of the other uses uh, of, of marijuana as well. But yeah, uh, I'm excited to touch on that story. I really want to hear your views on that. Uh, and uh, we will have that uh, uh, coming up in our, our run of show pretty soon. So, uh, all right, let's get into news of the week. Uh, because, man, the GOP, that Kentucky delegation is really, really showing their values uh, this past week. Right. So the first story we wanted to uh, draw your attention to was uh, James Comer, Comer from the first district. Uh, we will be hearing from his uh, his general election opponent uh, in a bit, Jimmy Osbrooks. But man, Jimmy Comer uh, was Jamie Comer uh, was on some Fox show uh, and like really got into it and really exposed the kind of the mindset uh, of the congressional Republicans right now, which it is a little terrifying. And, you know, I think it's good for us to check in every once in a while to see what they're talking about because it's bonkers and we should just know that's, that's kind of who we're up against. Uh, and that's what Fox news is mainlining right now with some of these bonker conspiracy theories. So what is he upset about? He's upset about Hunter Biden, <laughs> uh, in a very honest clip, James Comer admits that if the house flips in November, which of course is what, you know, most rational sources say is there's a very good likelihood the House will flip, uh, that they will play hell trying to impeach Joe Biden. Uh, and that is going to be, you know, one of their priorities, right? And why, you ask, why would they impeach Joe Biden? Because, well, as far as we can tell, Joe Biden hasn't done anything that's obviously illegal or problematic uh, or even, a you know, a shade unethical. He's really just, you know, gotten our country back to work post COVID, you know, had the greatest jobs recovery in the history of uh, the United States. Uh, he's had an amazing economic recovery, although inflation is clearly an issue. Uh, he's brought down gas prices for some like, you know, 80 days in a row now. Uh, and, you know, most importantly, he's passed a bunch of his legislative uh, agenda. He got an infrastructure bill done, which of course, you know, that other guy talked about infrastructure week on a quarterly basis throughout his four years in office and never got anything done. So why are they so mad at, at Joe Biden? Well, uh, it's Hunter Biden. Uh, that's a big one for them. Uh, they're going to impeach uh, him and they're going to investigate the FBI. I think the FBI is now not a favorite of theirs because the role they played in going to Mar-a-Lago and trying to track down those uh, ultra secret documents that Trump lied about having. Um, and also the Afghanistan withdrawal, which of course, yep, that was absolutely ugly. Uh, but the fact that, you know, he withdrew, uh, forces that, you know, Trump set up, uh, that, that plan, uh, and that timeline, uh, that doesn't ever seem to come up. So, you know, very telling, I think what Jamie Comer is, is, is saying the kind of, you know, fever dreams of the right is that it's just, if you give them power, they are going to not deliver for the American public, right? They don't have a plan for inflation. They don't have a plan for anything, but they have a real good plan about how they want to go after Joe Biden. It's a little bit, uh, a little bit annoying. All right. And then what else has the Kentucky GOP been up to? What's our, de our amazing delegation in DC? Uh, this irrelevant and heartless delegation. So Brett uh, Guthrie, uh, he is all about how much this PP or how much this uh, student loan debt repayment program is a real problem. He hates that folks who didn't get fancy degrees are paying for those who did. Uh, but $4.3 million in uh, PPP, the Paytech, Paytech Paycheck Protection 
program. Uh, that says he doesn't really care about the wealthy taking advantage of tax dollars. He was more than happy to support his family auto parts manufacturing company, Trace Diecast. $4.3 million in PPP funds directly to that company. Uh, he doesn't care about the wealthy, you know, getting a, a, a break at the expense of regular taxpayers. He is only in this fight for the anti-Democrat uh, division, really. You know, blue blue collar taxpayers aren't paying for this. Those taxes aren't going up under Biden. Corporate taxes are going up under Biden. So maybe that's why he's really pissed off about it is because, you know, uh, his family corporation is going to have to pay more now. Uh, also, our friend Annie Barr here in the 6th District in response to that uh, to that um, student loan program, he says that during a recession that is crushing low and middle income Americans, President Biden wants to engineer one of the largest wealth transfers to high end earners at the expense of blue collar workers. Democrats hypocrisy knows no bounds. Nearly a third of student loan debt is held by the top 20% of earners. 56% of student debt is held by households with graduate degrees. All right. As Nima pointed out last week when she was on the show and that story just broke, that math, let's do some math for Andy Barr. That means two thirds of student loan debt, uh, you know, 66% of student loan debt is held by the bottom 80% of wage earners. And the fact that there's an income cap for this program, right? If you make over $125,000 or, you know, 250000 filing jointly, then you do not qualify for this program. Oddly, that never gets mentioned. Uh, and this idea that, you know, households with graduate degrees, oh my God, they've got student loan debt and they must be rolling in dough. You know what? A lot of people with graduate degrees do not make a ton of money. You know, social workers have graduate degrees, teachers have, have graduate degrees, and they do not make a ton of money. So the idea that, you know, the fact it, it's just class warfare because that's all they've got. They really want to divide our country. But, you know, you don't have to look very hard to find people who are going to benefit from this program. And of course, we cannot leave out our friend, you know, Thomas, show your ass Massey. Uh, he is a practiced Twitter troll. He is looking to get into the, you know, the the Twitter stratosphere, like M, you know, Marjorie Taylor Greene and Lauren Bobert. She he's desperate to be in that, you know, just nut job right wing. He really wants to be there. So he calls back the boogeyman of the eighty seven thousand armed IRS agents. He uses that to point out how much they're going to have to find and increase tax payments to pay for the student loan program. Uh, and while the program is certainly expensive, this is $500 billion or so, this is revenue that's lost over 10 years, right? So they're, they are forgiving this debt, you know, now 10,000 or 20,000 with Pell Grants. Uh, they're forgiving it now, but think about how that works. These are people who are going to be paying for the next 10 years uh, for that student loan. So it's not an enormous hit all at once. It is, you know, revenue over time. Uh, and it also means that the inflationary impacts are relatively minor as well. Uh, and the program, you know, is, is just absolutely, uh, you know, needed. Uh, but that need for revenue replacement is modest in this ginormous federal budget that we live in. Um, and also, you know, we should think about who's going to actually benefit from this, right? You, you should ask someone who is struggling with student loan debt. You know, that estimate is that as many as 615,000 Kentuckians are going to benefit from this program. So you can probably find someone who's going to benefit from it, unless you're like Brett or Andy and likely only, only hang out with folks who make uh, well more than $125,000 a year. So uh, on the opposing view, besides what I've just said to you, I wanted to point out a wonderful essay from our friend and our frequent guest, the teacher and 120 United organizer, Christina Trosper, who will not directly benefit from this program, right? 
but she did tell, I think, in very compelling uh, ways about how valuable it would have been to her and her family when she was struggling. So the fact that she is just it's joyful that other people are not going to have to go through what she did and the, the decisions that she had to make uh, with you know limited financial options in front of her. Uh, it's a really powerful essay. It, it's on Kentucky.com and you should check it out. So, uh, you know, there, there it is. That's what our, you know, reactionary troll like Republican delegation is going on about in DC. Of course, they are desperate to get back in power and they are going to try to impeach Joe Biden uh, if they get the opportunity. I don't know, Kimberly, what do you think about that that lineup of just amazing insights into our political discourse? You're muted. You're 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 muted. I'm unmuted now. Yeah. Um, actually, uh, looking at um, some of the. Um, fact-based articles also that you have incorporated into this. Um, I say the same thing every week. And if I was here for the last two weeks, I would have said the same thing. Nothing surprises me. Um, all of them, you know, Thomas Massey, uh, Rand Paul, Mitch McConnell, all of them are in the same crab bucket is what I'm going to say. And they try to outdo each other who can do the most asinine thing better than the other person. Um, I noticed also that you said in here about, let me put my glasses back on, uh, about the, the student loan debt. Um, I just think that, um, we should forgive and move on and have an even level playing field for everyone to participate. And uh, it just seems like time and time and time again, um, it's not even the Republican party of which I could um, be familiar with. This is some type of evil, I don't know what it is. I guess it's the party of Trump, but it, it just encompasses more and more that all of this gridlock and, and back and forth, nothing is getting accomplished for the people except for the Democrats. And um, basically, that's just my thoughts about it, Aaron. Um, Crabs in a bucket. Yeah. Not And not the ones you're excited to get because, you know, you want to go steam them and eat them. You know, not the ones you're paying uh, high high dollars for. There's little ones. They're little nasty, mean ones that are going to eat each other. Yeah, they definitely are um, an unappealing bunch. I will say this. But, you know, they know apparently they know their audience and their audience is like, yes, division is good. We want to hate on liberals. So give us good excuses and reasons to do it. And I just think like we could do better. We should do better. Like, Ask around in your family. You're going to find people who are directly going to benefit from this program, and it's going to it's going to make people's lives a lot better, right? And at the expense of what, like a 15% minimum corporate tax, <laughs> right? Like I'm not a corporation. That's okay with me, and I feel like 15% is an okay rate for them to pay. Uh, so it is just it's a it's a bit distressing that they have no solutions, you know. And we call back to you know. Last week when we watched Andy Barr on Meet the Press, which was a just 
joke of an appearance because he had nothing other than fear mongering about the border. Like that was 100% his entire, you know, the entire Republican plan apparently is to, uh, to, you know, make sure that scary Brown people aren't coming across the border. Um, but I don't know. Uh, you would hope that people see through this, you know, uh, you would hope that people see that Democrats have been actually delivering. Right. And the stuff that Trump said he wanted to get done, the Democrats actually got done. You know, that actually, you know, the uh, the fact that Mexico is kicking in a bunch of money for uh, for enforcement along their border. Right. Like, oh, right. Wasn't that Trump's big thing? Uh, and they wouldn't do right. that guy. Uh, so I don't know. It's it's an interesting time. Uh, we've got some time to spread the word. I'm excited to talk to our guest to hear his thoughts about Jamie Comer's uh, kind of play and all of this. But uh, let's go on, on to a story that I know you're excited to talk about, Kimberly. Uh, what is up with uh, with Andy's medical marijuana um, uh, tax task force? How you know I'm so excited about it, Aaron? <laughs> Ooh, I've been doing a show Netflix. with you for a little it's while. Good, it's looking real, real, real good. Okay, what is the holdup? Our great governor Andy Bashir has been going all around the state of Kentucky, having town halls where your voice could definitely be heard. Uh, there was overwhelming response. Um, 150 people, and out of those 70 people, actually showed up in person to give their rendition of what they think this should be or not be. Uh, but this time, you know, it states um, secretary Allison Lundgren Grimes. They had a task force. Uh, quite some years ago, it went, of course, to the graveyard of hope and uh, <laughs> newness. So now our great governor has come up with this particular program of this a council that he needs to put me on, like for real, for real, for real, he needs to put me on it. And uh, they're coming up with this overwhelming response of we need to do this. And also some of the uh, backstory of this is also going into our most rural areas in Kentucky to talk to those doctors and nurse practitioners and see what their thoughts are and, you know, have a conversation about the pros and the cons. And right now the pros are winning. There are people that go every year in the snow in their wheelchairs to, you know, try to protest about what they believe in. But this time, and it goes nowhere, but this time showing that overwhelmingly at this particular point in time, this is what Kentuckians want. We want legalized medicinal marijuana. And if you want my true thoughts about it, knowing that there's only 13 states in America that do not have legalized marijuana, or you can call it cannabis if you really want to be, you know, proper. But the fact of the matter of it is, I think the holdup is this, Aaron. The holdup is the so-called GOP, Republican Party, they haven't figured out how they're going to make the most money from it yet. Uh, states that do legalize 
marijuana, even for recreational use, you can see how it is truly helping the economy. Plus the cannabis is government and federally regulated. So you're not buying it on the streets and getting God knows what. Now they're putting fentanyl in street marijuana. So uh, there's an opportunity for people in Kentucky to make money, have it legalized. And like I said before, I've never seen anybody on weed that was fighting and shooting up people. The most I know, now I don't know a whole lot about it, Aaron, but I'm just going to say, you know, all I've ever seen was, you know, they just laugh, you know, riding each other out and you better have a lot of snacks in the cupboard and in the refrigerator. That's all I've ever seen. That's yeah, that's a good point. So I do think that, you know, it's it's a controlled substance. It should be treated, you know, to some degree like it. But we treat alcohol, you know, alcohol clearly very can be dangerous and can be destructive. Uh, and, you know, we can manage that as a society, it seems like. So uh, it's definitely something that, you know, it, we're missing the boat right now. I think Andy, to his credit, created this task force. I think, you know, maybe he's timing it. So the task force can have some recommendation that gets on the ballot uh, in a year. I don't know, because that could probably, you know, help him in his efforts. But, you know, the Democrats need to jump on this issue. We know the Republicans are nothing but going to stop it. And I, I wanted to give credit to Nate, our producer tonight, uh, for coming up with that graphic. I don't know if you want to throw back on there, the graph, medical marijuana graphic. Uh, I will say this medical marijuana graphic is uh, compelling, but it is also inaccurate as to what is uh, what has happened in the House so far, right? The House legalization of medical marijuana bill, which has has gotten a hearing in the House. I don't, did it pass the House? It just it got shut shut down in the Senate. But it's just for the kind of THC distillate or whatever. So you couldn't actually smoke marijuana for medicinal uses. It would have to be a kind of a, some sort of pill form, or I don't know exactly how they would do it. But uh, but yeah. I think at this time, you know, uh, there there could be a lot of uh, business owners that could give their take, uh, start dispensaries, go through all of the certification and licensing uh, for this. This will also bring a lot of money to our state because, uh, you know, not me. But a lot of people I know, I'm talking about big wigs to the little wigs and my wig. Um, they definitely are smoking marijuana. And it, and it concerns me because where are you getting it? Are you getting it from Joe Blow you went to college with? And this is this is his little side hustle. And he's getting it from someone else and and then someone else and it has fentanyl in it uh embalming fluid perhaps um and then that other uh particular chemical that they put in nail polishes um tourmaline or something like that i can't think of the name right now but um what are people smoking and they're smoking aaron might not be you might not be me, wink, wink, but they are definitely <laughs> smoking, okay? Marijuana in Kentucky. I don't care. Rich, middle class, poor. 
black, white, Asian American, uh, Pacific Islander American, uh, Latin American, Hispanic American. I'm telling you, the majority of the people in Kentucky, they're smoking weed. Don't be delusioned that they're not. Okay. I mean, since the pandemic, even more people are, are smoking or eating the uh, jelly beans, the milk chocolate bars, the gummy bears. Um, a lot of people that I do know uh, go to Illinois where it is legal uh, for re recreational and medicinal uses. And um, you can go maybe two and a half hours up to the very border of uh, Illinois and get what you need and feel confident that it doesn't have all of these very dangerous uh, additives to it. Uh, with the street cannabis, uh, the street guys and girls, I guess they sell it too, what they're finding out is people don't get that addicted to marijuana. So if you are a street seller of marijuana, you're not making as much money as the street person who's selling heroin or spice or crack or uh, prescription pills, which you have to watch out for those too at the street level. Uh, so these other people that sell marijuana, they're like, oh, we can get fentanyl on there. Now people are addicted, not to the marijuana per se, it's the fentanyl on the marijuana. So uh, this has to pass. This is a health crisis and emergency. Yeah, I think that's absolutely right. The fentanyl is terrifying, right? Wherever it pops up, it's destructive and deadly. Uh, and it's popping up in a lot of places because it's cheap, it's available, and it is absolutely like way more addictive than uh, actual uh, opioids, right? The synthetic opioid, uh, scary stuff. And, you know, I think having it legal, having it regulated, having it, you know, so that there are standards for THC content and making sure that people aren't, you know, uh, exposed to too much. And, you know, I think there's a lot of ways you could go with this and it is absolutely a moneymaker for the States that have embraced it, whether it's Colorado or Washington, or, you know, as you pointed out, like almost, almost all States have done something. Uh, and it's absolutely, you know, as I said in the comments, it's it's a little ridiculous that we are all in on bourbon, right? We have got this bourbon boom going up uh, in Kentucky right now. There's like announcements every week about a new distillery and a new with new Rick houses coming in, uh, and their state tax dollars going to support that, right? They're getting they're getting tax breaks for doing that. But meanwhile, you're right. You know, Joe Hustler is you know is endangering his clients, uh, but could be absolutely a legit businessman. Uh, if we just went down that exactly. road. Exactly. And, and not only that, Aaron, uh, let us not forget that cigarettes are legal, although in 2023, it is uh, no longer legal to have menthol cigarettes. And that's a whole nother show for another day where they feel like uh, it is targeting uh, Black Americans because it is known that most black Americans that do smoke cigarettes prefer menthol.
Now, the second thing is, let's look at the gambling industry. It is legal in the state of Kentucky for horse racing. Okay, it is legal in the state of Kentucky for lottery. It's legal in the state of Kentucky uh, for like your little casinos and things like that that are starting to crop up. There's going to be a big one built uh, probably here in Louisville. So the all of these things, if not monitored, can be hazardous, whether it's gambling or doing drugs, street level drugs. But the thing about it is this right here, it would make all of us feel a lot safer. Plus Aaron, if they just go ahead on and do recreational as well, why it's gotta be one without the other. If it's recreational as well, I don't know if you've ever been inside a dispensary before, but it is highly amazing. Like they say, okay, how do you wanna feel? Do you want to go to sleep? You just want to chill out? Do you want to get a strand that makes you want to clean the house up? You know, it's it's a whole other world. All right. Well, we uh, we have to move on. We're a little bit behind schedule. I wanted to point out one thing that uh, that I, I put in the, the chat. We right now have 16 percent of Americans say they smoke marijuana with only 11 percent of Americans saying they smoke cigarettes. Uh, so for the first time on record, according to Gallup, more Americans are smoking marijuana than cigarettes. And of course, that cigarette number is the lowest it's been since, you know, uh, the Marble Man was uh, created. It used to be 45 percent of Americans smoking cigarettes in the mid 50s. So uh, things have definitely changed uh, for the better uh, in a lot of ways, because I'll tell you what, lung cancer is a, is a horrible way to go. Right. Uh, a lot of us probably seen that firsthand or, you know, in their families. So uh, at any rate, let's get on to our next item on the show, which is one I'm incredibly excited about. Jimmy Osbrooks is joining us. Jimmy Osbrooks is uh, is a congressional candidate for the first district. Uh, if you are not familiar with the first district, uh, you should know that it's the one that got gerrymandered uh, specifically you know, we don't know exactly why there's a lot of reasons why it could have been gerrymandered the way it was, but it made this, it took what was a uh, very important part of the sixth district, which was, you know, kind of purplish uh, Franklin County and lumped it in with the same district that stretches all the way to Paducah. Uh, so one of the most outrageously gerrymandered districts in our fairly gerrymandered state uh, is that first district. So if you are a Frankfort County voter, get to know Jimmy because he's going to be on your ballot. Uh, Jimmy, welcome. Thank you so much for joining us the, this evening. Hello. And hi, Kimberly. So Jimmy, uh, you know, um, folks might not have known know you. Um, you know, again, now now that the first district includes this Frankfort part. I think we've got a lot of our members and supporters and watch uh, viewers are are in in that county. Uh, so you know, tell us a little bit about yourself. Who are you? What's your background? And and why'd you why'd you get into this race? Sure, um, I am a proud native of Kentucky, unlike my opponent. Um, I was born and raised in a small rural community in Simpson County. Um, I went, attended both uh, public schools and private school. Uh, currently, I'm in private practice as a uh, licensed professional clinical counselor. I earned my bachelor's degree from Western Kentucky University uh, in government and then went on to Lindsay Wilson College, 
uh, to earn my master's in education uh, with the emphasis on counseling and human development. Um, I'm just a good old country boy. <laughs> but you're a counselor, which is awesome. Uh, it shows your concern and compassion for your fellow man. Uh, and uh, how did how did being a counselor make you think? You know what I need to do? I need to run for office. Like what what what's the kind of what 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 created that inspiration? Um, as soon as I started graduate school and realized that uh, mental health really did not have a voice. Um, that what led me to make the decision in 2019 to put my name on the ballot in 2020 uh, to run against uh, Mitch McConnell and apparently uh, more than a dozen plus uh, decided to do the same thing. Uh, but that's when I really started uh, focusing on what we don't have uh, by the individuals that could give it to us. Uh, there's more than a couple of dozen mental health um, legislation that is just sitting there in D.C. that nobody's really fighting for. And as a counselor, I get to see everybody's deepest, darkest fears, worries across the board. And anytime there's federal cuts, mental health is one of those that get cut. Uh, I know over in the uh, Paducah area, I was talking to uh, an organization and there was about $14 million in grants um, that are gone. And in the scheme of our budget for this national, you know, for this country, uh, $14 million is pennies. Uh, so as a counselor in the state of Kentucky, you make on the average $38,000. And uh, we don't do this for the money. We do this to help people. And any resource is a valuable resource. And when they start taking those away, too many lives, you know, are in jeopardy. Uh, mental health affects every single family, community, clear across this country. So I want to give a voice to mental health because we don't have one. And a uh, little joke is, you know, uh, a good therapist in D.C. probably wouldn't be a bad thing. <laughs> they definitely need more investment in mental health in DC. Uh, so no, I think that is uh, that's that's staggering, right? Fourteen million dollar programs are just kind of can disappear and leaving these uh, small entities in the lurch without the resources. It does seem like you know we're always quick to cut those programs, always quick to you know to just social workers or you know uh, counselors or things that you know seem like they just aren't priorities. Uh, in the current GOP, you know, budget uh, process, which, you know, the governor ostensibly leads the process, but it, it's all up to the legislature what actually, you know, what actually gets funded. So uh, that I know is uh, is a problem. Uh, and, it, you know, it hit me pretty hard when we were reading about the kind of social worker crisis that was happening, the social services crisis in the state of Kentucky. Uh, and the quote from the Republican who sat on the kind of key committee was, well, geez, if, you know, if they're not doing a very good job, we should clearly th look at cutting that budget. Right. It's like well, these are people that are incredibly overwhelmed. Their caseloads are through the roof. And yeah, of course, the outcomes aren't always good when you're like struggling to keep your head above water. But the idea isn't that, oh, well, then clearly we must cut the program. Like that, to, that, that was the, the first thing that came out of that Republican lawmaker's mouth 
just gave up the game, right? They do not care about uh, about those investments. Something else just real quick that I'd like to say is that as my field and with marriage and family, we can't bill or get reimbursed for Medicare clients. Only social workers can. And if anyone knows in the state of Kentucky, the majority of social workers work for the state and they don't practice. I have a former colleague who has a caseload of over 300 and uh, good clinicians, 20 to 25 clients a week is what they can see. So if you do the math, you're talking about seniors, individuals with disability that are wanting services and if they get an appointment once every three months, they're lucky and they hope that they don't get sick or have another doctor's appointment and have to miss. You know, mental health does not wait for an appointment every few months. Mental health is daily. And I see some clients once a week, every two weeks, some twice a week, you know, and you can't provide that if you don't have the resources, if you don't have your own personal self-care, you know, and a lot of community mental health is completely overran. Uh, partly why I went into private practice so that I can give every client that is mine every opportunity that they need. So if they need an hour or they need two hours, they're going to get it. And, you know, I am a term limit candidate, so I like to make that clear because I want to come back to my profession that I love and that I have committed myself to, but I feel like I need to get to Washington and stand up and have someone up there that actually knows what is needed because they're in the field. Yeah. And I am on the pulse of all these individuals' lives. So I see it from a completely different perspective that a lot of people don't, and especially uh, a lot of congressional leadership. Well, you know, you say that you're a, a term limit candidate, Jimmy. You know who also said that was Rand Paul, and now he's running again, uh, breaking his term limit uh, concerns. Andy Barr also said he was for term limits, and seemed, now he's back there, and he just keeps on running. Uh, I, I haven't dug into Comer's record uh, I've got a hunch, you know, uh, so you said it here on this show, if you get there, we're going to hold you to it, uh, Jimmy. Uh, because that's why I am committed to restoring integrity and trust because we don't have that. That's and anyone sure. who does know me, they know that I say what I mean and I mean what I say because that's what my grandparents taught me. And that's the only way to live. There we go. All right. Well, hey, it's a tough district, right? Most political observers don't think that any Democrat would have much of a shot. Why did you decide to toss your hat in the ring anyway? Because I wanted my voice to be heard, um, and it's currently not. Um, as an openly gay man, I I don't have a voice, and especially now that uh, the Supreme Court has overturned Roe versus Wade. And Judge Thomas has already alluded to taking away same-sex marriage. You know, I've, I've got one right, and it's Jeopardy. Uh, but 
in the community I live in, I don't have protection of whether or not I'm going to be denied housing. I don't have protection of whether or not I'm going to be denied a job. Another reason why I went into private practice, the only person that can fire me is me. Um, so there's a lot of voices that have been muffled and silenced for way too long. And all I can say is I'm planning on going to the Capitol, but one thing I know I'm going to do is I'm going to be a role model for an LGBTQIA plus youth that hasn't had one. They're going to know they're not alone. They're going to know that they can do anything that they want to do. And that to me is one of the most proudest things that I can ever say I accomplished because inspiring one person can change the world. And I'm just committed to putting back some truth, some honesty, some transparency that's been lost for too long. That's awesome. All right. I've got one more question for you and then I'm going to turn to Kimberly. Uh, but tell us a little bit. Uh, you, you saw earlier in the show, I think we were talking a bit about Jamie Comer. Uh, tell us your take on Jamie Comer and why do you think voters should uh, send him packing? Well, number one, until Fancy Farm uh, a couple of weeks ago, uh, I'd never seen him. Um, and to me, I think that someone representing you should be visible should be obtainable, and uh, he's not. Um, he comes from a wealthy family. He's going to continue to be wealthy. Uh, I live paycheck to paycheck. Um, I, just like everybody else, when gas prices go up, I get scared. You know, when there was a run on Jif peanut butter a couple of months ago, I was really scared because that's the only kind of peanut butter I eat, and I couldn't get it on the shelves. Um, I have a a better understanding of how people are living because I live it. And Jamie doesn't. Uh, he didn't even acknowledge me at Fancy Farm uh, until we had the coin flip. And then he still never said a word about it. And I don't think that's the way to, uh, to do good business, so to speak. Gotcha. Kimberly, what, what do you have for, for Jimmy? You're muted. Some kind of way it wasn't unmuting me. Um, actually, hey, Jimmy. Hola. We go long, long way back from when we were with uh, Mike Boyer's campaign and everything. Um, one of the things I wanted to ask you, and I'll save this one for last, but about Fancy Farm. But before uh, asking you about Fancy Farm, I really want to know, there's several things uh, to this, so many layers like an onion to peel. But whatever happened to the $200 million that Mitch McConnell said he was bringing to Kentucky for mental health? And why is the Department of Justice in the state of Kentucky investigating if we are actually following the federal guidelines and administering, I can't even speak tonight. I'm, I've been working all day, please excuse me. Um, what about that? And then the, the DOJ, they have a, 
big concern with Jefferson County of which I live. So what is going on? Where is the money that Mitch McConnell said he was bringing $200 million? And why is the United States Department of Justice in the state of Kentucky investigating about mental health? I guess that money is on a very slow train. Um, it will get here eventually. And I wish I had better answers. Um, you know, going all the way back, like when we did work on that campaign, I was very concerned then about mental health. I'm still very concerned today. And, you know, like I said, Mitch McConnell had dozens and dozens of bills sitting on his desk that wouldn't even get a vote, wouldn't get his attention. Um, you know, it's sad that people in D.C. are more concerned about themselves than the ones that they are meant to represent. And when I go to D.C., it's for the people, not the few. You know, we the people mean something to me. Since eighth grade history teacher who taught me and gave me a passion I know that I'm not being elected to go serve just the Democratic Party. I'm going to serve the Republicans, the Democrats, and the independents. When I walk into the Capitol, my little label gets dropped. And, you know, I think it's a big person that is willing to represent someone who is biased towards them, who does not care about them, who thinks that they are less than. But I'm a bigger person than that. And I am there to represent all of Kentucky and the nation. This is the United States Congress. This is every one of us. And it needs to be our best interest, not special interest. Jimmy, let me ask you this, um, and then I'm going to ask you the fancy farm question. But your opponent, and you know, out here in these streets, we say the ops, right? Where has he been and has he said anything about the mental health crises that we have in Kentucky? We have number one in child abuse. We are in the top five for domestic violence. Uh, most of the people uh, that are on drugs and alcohol, the majority if you peel back, I keep talking about peeling those layers of the onion, you will find that they're dealing with a severe mental health emergency and illness. And they are self-medicating, but they don't even know that they're trying to self-medicate. Is What is it? Like my mind is racing, racing, racing all the time. So I take a drink, I, I take a pill and my mind stops racing. When if we had adequate mental health here in the state of Kentucky, I think a lot of that would be curtailed. What do you say about your opponent, the ops? Uh, have, they, have they had any compassion or said anything about mental health? And the the it's a chronic problem here in Kentucky. Most definitely. If I was in your district, I'd be voting for But you know, you cool with me. You know, I'd vote for you anyway. But, uh, <laughs> but uh, what is the ops saying? And um, what would you do about that? 
Well, maybe you I... can't say that you're going to give a term limit because sometimes, Jimmy, these things take a lifetime. But I just want to set into motion something that can be carried forward. I don't want to get stuck. Uh, but I can tell you what uh, my opponent and several of the other uh, incumbents, um, what their vision of mental health is. It is filling prisons. It is taking individuals' votes away. That is exactly what they're doing and nothing less. Um, talking about domestic violence being number five. When I was a senior at Western Kentucky University. I helped create the Anti-Violence Coalition of Kentucky, which brought to Western Kentucky Take Back the Night, which if you're not familiar with that, investigate that, that's awareness uh, program for domestic violence. Um, I work with kids. Kids are my heart, kids are my passion. Um, if we can provide the services that these children need, they can be productive for the rest of their life. And that needs to be a focus, just like education needs to be a focus. Um, and I do substance counseling. Uh, and again, all that they're going to do is see what they can do as far as in prison individuals. I don't think we should have for-profit prisons. Those need to be stopped. And every citizen deserves the right to vote. Whether you're in jail or out of jail, if you're an American citizen, that is your right. And they should not ever take that away. Kimberly, you're muted. Kimberly. Oh, I was just cheesing. Like He's like, oh, she's just smiling. I am smiling because I know who you are and I know for a fact that this is a big passion of yours and you have put yourself out there ever since college. The time has come now for someone in this state to speak up for those that suffer from mental health problems or challenges, I like to say. Now, at Fancy Farm, was your was your boy there, Jimmy? I'm just going to talk to you like we on the phone or something. Was Comer there? He was. With his, with his raggedy self, was he there? He was there. He oh. sat about uh, 10 feet away from me on the opposition side. Um, I might have gotten one glance, um, but again, until we stood face-to-face -face doing the coin flip to see who got to speak first, I, uh, I won, um, you know, kind of thinking that's uh, a precursor to uh, November. And uh, I gave him permission to speak first uh, because I knew what I had to say was going to be heard by more people because their rhetoric was just repulsive. Um, I wasn't able to be there, but I saw some footage and it, <laughs> I'm, maybe I was wrong, but I couldn't do anything but laugh. Okay. I just, I, it, it just all seemed so hilarious the way they were doing uh, Daniel Cameron, who's our so-called AG of the state and so many others. I, um, 
I think you got a big chance, Jimmy. I really, really do. And Derby time, guess who I met? They came to Macy's to buy a suit. Who did I tell you that I would wish more than anything that would come to Franklin County and stump for you? Who do, do you remember who we talked about? No, I'm sorry. Pete. I'm working seven days a week. Pete. Yeah, you do, though. Pete. Okay. Budajak. Maybe, you know, he'll remember me and, and come down because uh, <laughs> your ops wouldn't even have a chance. But I'm glad you had an opportunity to make it to Fancy Farm. And I am so well, I, didn't, I had to make that happen. I didn't get invited. Did not get invited. But I called and I demanded my spot because that was my district and I had every right to be there. And even though I got booed and everything else, I took a, a lot of uh, pleasure and pride of standing on that stage because I earned my place there and no one there was going to deny me the opportunity to look at each and every one of those individuals and let them know who I am and that I'm here. And I, I've worked hard. I work hard every day. I care and I'm not going to be ran off. And we had three first on that stage. We had the first African-American party chairman of any party. We had our next senator, the first African-American senator, and our first openly gay United States congressman. We were there. We didn't let them shut us down. We could have walked off, but we elected to stay there because we know that we are the right people because we talked about caring, love, responsibility, the things that they weren't talking about. I wish you could have been here in Louisville for Charles Booker. His rally was amazing. And you're talking about black men on the stage. It was three black men on the stage Charles Booker, uh, the DNC chair, Mr. Uh, Jamie, and our own chair of the KDP, uh, Mr. Coleman Etheridge, all three were on stage. So it is showing some progress in Kentucky, and I think we still have a way to go, but I really feel uh, deep down in my gut that you have the biggest chance ever. And I'm just so glad you were on the show tonight and you got a chance to show everybody, all of our viewers, exactly what I already know about you. Cause you know, I'm gonna call you after the show, Jimmy. Let me tell you how you can do with that Coomer guy, you know. <laughs> and uh, not to be mean, but somebody was asking me the other day uh, who I was running against because so many people in the district have no idea who their representative is. And uh, I kind of felt bad, but I called him Gomer. Uh, that was the first thing that popped into my head. Uh, and I'm typically not that kind of a person, but uh, 
I just thought that was quite hilarious. <clears throat> I called them something else, and I, this is, you know, it might be children around, so, you know, I'll, I'll call you and tell you what I really, you know. <laughs> Uh, well, hey, Jimmy, thanks again for coming on. Uh, just so, you know, everyone, all of our viewers know, we have now interviewed all of the congressional representative candidate, the candidates for congressional representative for all of the districts uh, in, in in Kentucky. Uh, and we're really excited that, you know, we, we've ended that series with you. Uh, I think it's a really important district. It's obviously a very big district. Uh, and now you got some uh, new friends, I think, in that uh, that part of the district that maybe they're in the confused category because you know, they've been they've been jerked around a little bit uh but we're gonna keep talking to candidates we're gonna talk to state house candidates senate candidates between now and uh and november 8th and so don't if you're watching the show don't hesitate let us know if you got a candidate you think we really need to talk to let us know uh we'll invite them and anyone you've been seeing on the campaign trail jimmy feel free to let us know and uh and, and connect us i know that you, you know you've done a good job of networking with other candidates out there on the stump but really important you know even if these are uphill battles even if they're we're tilting at windmills we got to get out there and fight for our values because the other side is just it's just fighting as you said just ugly uh repulsive rhetoric you know like a lot of punching down happening uh and a lot of division happening and i think we you know you jimmy just proved tonight that we are way better than that and can be better than that and should be better than that so thanks again uh yeah, all right you gotta say he's gotta that. say how how we can send the money to absolutely him. how are we gonna send you the money jimmy i'm gonna send you the money well what i was gonna say is that make sure that when you go out to vote november the 8th that you bring 10 the 10 plus one is what's going to take to win. Uh, but you can find me on actblue.com. Uh, you can go through my website, uh, jimmy4ky.com. Uh, uh, there's a lots of ways you can drop something in the mail. But the main thing is that we vote. We have to get out and vote. And we have to get everybody else out there. Because the Democratic candidates for the U.S. House... We, we, um, we already have a relationship that when we walk in for the first time, we're going to have a strong powerhouse that will make a difference because we, we just work. We are a good group, um, and I'm very proud of those that I'm on the stage with uh, to represent Kentucky. Awesome. Thank Jimmy for jimmy4ky.com you can find us at act blue there send him some money uh, i'm sure he's looking for donations as well or uh, uh, volunteers as well as donations uh i was just reminded in the comments chuck eddie uh is uh gonna be on next week uh senate candidate uh house senate candidate uh chuck eddie uh will be joining us to hear about his run and his race and how folks can get involved behind him because you know as we all know there's a super duper majority uh, of GOP votes in Frankfurt and they make Andy's life hell. And if you want to see Andy uh, a successful governor, then we need to give him people that can work with him. Uh, and if we want to see Joe Biden have a successful presidency, we need to send people uh, to Washington who will work with him, not impeach him if they're put in power, which the, just a little reminder that the story we started off with uh, this show is that uh, Jamie Comer is excited to impeach Joe Biden for Hunter Biden's laptop, apparently. Uh, good stuff. Really important. Really important stuff. Uh, all right. Uh, uh, Kimberly, you ready to close this out? 
because you're muted. <laughs> you are you are still muted. Aaron, I think you're doing that. I swear to God, I'm not. I do. I'm not. I, do, I think you're doing that. I think it's why. Nate. Why can't I see your face? Why? Why you just got me on here? I it's think Nate. you did that. It's Nate. Nate will let me know if you did it or not. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, um, what we got going on is voter registration day is September the twentieth. Okay coming up real, real, real soon. And if you would like to help Progress Kentucky get out and register voters, I could tell you how to do that. You want to know how to do that? Okay, glad you asked because um, we'd like to organize a week of action, the week of September the 20th. We're open to good ideas and good locations. We need to build the buzz about the November election and make sure we've got as many voters registered and engaged as possible. Leave a comment in the comments or send us a message and you can send that to Aaron at Aaron, what's your email address? You you can just uh go ahead and leave a comment in the in the comments. Okay. We'll do that. <laughs> I'm, I'm not I'm not I don't need to throw that out there right now. That's fine. Okay. Uh, join Election Central, our friends at Forward Kentucky. Yes, yes, Mr. Bruce Maples, love him. Have put some time and energy into a wonderful new online resource. Um, and what this resource is, is to keep track of candidates, endorsements, fundraising, and all the info that you need to know over the next 69 days. So you can head over to that website that is in the comment section below, okay? And uh, also protect Kentucky access to abortion. If Kansas can do it, why can't we do it, right? Why can't Kentucky do that? Planned Parenthood and the ACLU are working hard to oppose the constitutional amendment to ban all abortion access in Kentucky, and they need your help. You can visit the link that is down below, and it's also, uh, for more information, protectkentucky.com forward slash join hyphen us. So make sure that you, you know, take the time out to get involved. You know, some people don't really like to do the protesting and the rallies and things like that, but there's a place for everyone to help save our democracy. It's not just for me. It's not just for Aaron. It's not even just for Nate. It's for all of us. Every United States citizen has the right to democracy and we have to keep it at all costs at this point. So please, please, please get involved. Now, this is something really easy you can do tonight, okay? Take our poll. We've got over 270 responses and we'd like to hit 500. You know, do yours and and share it out to like four friends. And I promise you, we will be at our 500 mark by next week because I know y'all tired of hearing me, you know, every week talk about this, right? So let's get it done, get that on out of the way so that we can go and make sure that we're telling the media that we've got the backup 
of people that have signed up and says that, look, these are the most horrible uh, individuals in politics today. So we really need your help on that, okay? Uh, also, we will be back next week with my buddy. And, and if you don't know him, now you're going to know Mr. Chuck Eddy. That man right there, I respect him to the utmost. He uh, is always helping, uh, very open. And uh, I just can't wait to uh, talk to him again next week. Uh, you are going to enjoy him. Plus, if he didn't win something, I'm going to tell you this. He could be a comedian, okay? Really, he could. He's just that funny. So you don't want to miss next week. And uh, Progress Kentucky, I'm going to do my disclaimer at this moment, as you know that I have to, that Progress Kentucky is a nonprofit organization registered with the Kentucky Secretary of State. We are an organized 501c4 and we are affiliated with the Indivisible Project, okay? And the Commonwealth Alliance Voter Engagement. Most Kentuckians know it as CAVE. Progress Kentucky's goal is to educate, organize, increase voter turnout, and advance a progressive agenda through civic engagement. And, you know, I would be so remiss if I did not give the biggest shout out with, you know, I'm going to do like this, with the heart, okay, to Nate Orshan, who was the producer tonight. And I affectionately call him Nate Dog because he gets the job done, okay? And um, if you missed our live stream in the future for whatever reason, know that you can go back on Progress Kentucky's page on Facebook and see the live replays. And also, you know, if you're at work or you're driving, you can't look at us, uh, you can most certainly hear us on all major streaming platforms. So I just want to say this, some logos and graphic content was by Couchfire Media. Go check them out at couchfiremedia.com and give them a look and a try, all right? Aaron, the best host almost this side of the Mississippi. Maybe I might be number one, but uh, he's my brother. I love him. And thank you to Nate. Thank you for uh, watching us tonight. And most certainly thank you to Jimmy Osbrook. Thank you to all those that have done comments tonight. You keep us going and keep us energized. And guess what? You made it halfway through the week. Okay. So do something nice for somebody this week. Pay it forward. And guess what? The best reward is to know that you made somebody's day. So we'll see you next week, same time, same bat channel, and have a good rest of the week.